More hot takes for the 2022 NHL Draft. Gabe Foley of Recruit Scouting is here to give us some more profiles on NHL Draft prospects and a few of his spiciest takes for the 2022 NHL Draft today on Locked on Wild. You're Locked on Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen every day. And just as a reminder, Locked on Wild is free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. On today's episode of Locked on Wild, we talk 2022 NHL draft with Gabe Foley of Recruit Scouting with a few looks at more draft prospects that will be available to some lucky team in the NHL draft. We'll also drop a few spicy takes about... uh, players moving up and down Gabe's rankings, which uh, a new batch will be released on Friday. My name is Seth Topol, host of Lockdown Wilds, veteran sports content producer here in the state of Minnesota, covering all of your favorite Minnesota sports teams through their ups and their downs, and now the captain of Lockdown Wild and joins by a regular contributor to Lockdown Wild, Gabe Foley of Recruit Scouting. Gabe, it sounds as though, breaking news, um, a new batch of rankings is dropping here uh, relatively soon. Yes, it has been. Oh, man, I don't even know when my last set dropped. It has been a while. But we are set, committed to dropping a full top 128, a top full four rounds on Friday, April 1st. Now... These are going to be legit rankings, despite the date. Yes, I I didn't think about that. (laughs) I didn't think about that part. They're legit rankings, unless they don't go over well. And then it was a joke. It's uh, April Fool's, yeah. Yeah, you got it built in if you need it, but hopefully hopefully everybody will like them. There we go. Yeah, like you said, uh, off the cuff, a few hot takes. I think my mission with these rankings was to build rankings that look normal to a casual fan, but would really irritate a public sector scout. And looking through it, I think I've accomplished that goal pretty well. Um, like you said, there are a lot of movers and shakers, a lot of risers and fallers, um, and a few that will really catch the eye of those who have followed the draft class or a couple of the leagues throughout these last few years. And so I'll just breeze right through them. Um, Some of these names to note, and uh, hopefully we can stir up a reaction among the viewer base uh, as I kind of go through these. So the first one is probably the most tame of the hotter takes, but that's that Elias Solomonson is still in my first round. He's still in my top 25 and I'll go ahead and spoil it right now and say that I have Elias Salmonson ranked 21st overall. Now that doesn't sound insane. I mean, a year ago today, this kid was being lauded as a top 15, potential top 10 candidate 
in this draft class, but his season's been awkward. Um, he's struggled with his decision-making a little bit. His scoring is absolutely not there. Um, and it's led a lot, a lot, a lot of public sector scouts to, excuse me, really fall on this player. A lot of scouts are now arguing that there's no chance that Solomon Sin is worth a first round. There's no chance that he's worth a top 40 pick even. Um, there are even some scouts going as far as saying that Elias Solomonson, a player who, as I just mentioned, was previously lauded as a top 15, potential top 10 name for this class. There's some scouts going as far as saying he's not worth a pick in the top two rounds even. And all of that is quite aggressive. I mean, to drop a kid nearly 60 ranks um, in the course of one season, y'all think he's been doing something terrible, but he really hasn't. He's just a little awkward. It's like he's trying to find his groove. And when you watch him close, when you look at the details around him, that makes sense. As it stands right now, Elias Solomonson is the youngest player in my first round, he was born on August 31st, 2004, which means if he was born two weeks later, he wouldn't even be eligible for this draft. And if he wasn't eligible for this draft, we'd be talking about him as a top 15 name for the 2023 class. You look at how he's performing relative to August and September born 2004 players um, over in Sweden and Solomonson's arguably the best in that um, birth bracket, if you will. Um, of course, I don't want to put too much stock into when he was born in the same way that I try not to put stock into things like, you know, height and weight and wingspan and all that. Um, but Seth, <laughs> we got to, we got to talk about the wingspan there. That was a solid seven feet. That um, that was that's going to be an all timer thumbnail because I um, I had a weird look on my face when I did that. So anyway, it was, continue. It was interesting. I'm yeah. glad that I could be here to to appreciate that with you. Um, but yeah, I you have to consider those intangibles with Salomonson. Two weeks away from even being eligible for this class, he's performing very well relative to players born around the same time as him. And so it leads, you know, it, it begs the question, um, how much does having an awkward season matter for one of the youngest players in this draft class? I mean, is it really pressing enough that we should be dropping him 20, 30, 50, 60, 70 rankings? I mean, saying that a guy who was previously lauded as a top 15 pick shouldn't even be in the top two rounds? I don't think so. I think that's really overzealous, and I think it's a classic classic example. Excuse me, I'm tripping over my words today. <laughs> I think it's a classic example of the public sector scouting world getting a bit too curt with their decisions. Um, we've seen it time and time again. In fact, the last player we saw it for was none other than Luke Hughes, who was in a similar boat last year, a very young player. And so many people docked his areas, um, areas of improvement that he had. And they went on this season to have arguably the greatest freshman season 
in the NCAA uh, from a defenseman ever. Um, truly incredible. And so, like I said, the public sector world, the public sector scouting world, excuse me, is no stranger to overreactions and drop, you know, pulling the rug out of kids. Um, and I think that's what they're doing here with Salamence in a bit. And now, as I go from saying that, you know, we're pulling the rug out of, uh, out from under a player's feet too early and we need to be a bit more cautious, I'll turn towards a player who I pulled the rug out from under. <laughs> um, Ty Nelson is not going to be in the first round of my next rankings. He'll be lucky if he's in my top 50 even, which of course is a notable mark. Top 50, top 100, top 150 are always kind of the benchmarks um, for players to reach in the scouting world. And I don't really see it with Ty Nelson anymore. And that should, I'm assuming, really surprise those of you who follow the OHL closely. Of course, Ty Nelson was an incredibly highly regarded prospect for the OHL prior to his rookie season. And now he is an incredibly highly tied OHL defenseman. Um, the hype has followed him everywhere he's gone from the Toronto junior can Canadians to North Bay now. Um, and for good reason, the kid is my browser just <laughs> closed down one moment. Oh dear. The kid is 5'10, 196 pounds. So he's an absolute meatball of a defenseman and he plays a meatball style of hockey. He's got smooth skating and clean hands and uses that rough and tumble stature to just breeze through uh, opposition and opposing defensemen like he's playing bowling out on the ice. I mean, it's so fun watching him play. And so it makes total sense that he's gotten the hype that he has. But over the course of the season, I haven't seen it with Ty Nelson just yet. I mean, obviously, he has that meatball style, which I love that as an adjective. <laughs> I hope he makes it big, just so we can say there's a meatball defenseman. Um, of course, he has that style. He has the clean skating. He has the nice stick handling. He has this real innate ability to put up points. But I don't think his processing of the game has matched that raw skill set that he has. I don't think that he's making the decisions that he has to. And I think that his growth over the course of the 2021-2022 season hasn't mirrored what it needs to for him to be a successful defenseman at the next level. Of course, like I mentioned, he's 5'10". And when we talk about undersized defensemen like that, we really are talking about finding traits that make them unique and help them stand out among their competition. A great parallel for Ty Nelson is Lane Hudson of the U.S. National Team Development Program. Lane is 5'9", 148 pounds at 18 years old. Very tiny defenseman. But he's being lauded as a first-round pick by many because he has something that makes him unique. Um, Lane has this incredible ability to create space and work the puck into open areas of the ice with amazing, excuse me, with amazing ease. Um, there is never a time on the ice where Lane has the puck on a stick and there's an opposing player within a stick length of him. 
He really knows what he's doing. He knows how to create separation. And then he knows how to create chances when he's given that time and space. It's really impressive. And it helps Lane stand out from the rest of the bunch. And when you're talking about 5'9", 5'10", defensemen who are hoping to reach that pro level and reach that NHL level, they need a special talent like that. They have to have something unique. And Ty Nelson, for all of his strengths as a strong, quick, you know, flashy defenseman, I don't think that any of his skill sets really scream, this is my special talent that's going to carry me to the pro level. I think they more scream, these are my special talents that help me thrive at the juniors level. And as we've seen time and time again, juniors and NHL are not the same thing. And it's very easy for players to kind of hit a wall uh, as they try and transition from one to the other. So Ty Nelson, previously a very highly lauded pick in this draft class. Now, not so much. He is going to be fighting for my top 50. Meanwhile, Elias Salomonson, I'm holding out hope for. And I think if, if we're taking anything away from this, we're looking at two left defensemen, or Ty Nelson's a right defen- defenseman, excuse me, but we're looking at two defensemen for Wild fans to keep their eyes on as draft day comes around. Ty Nelson's a really highly regarded prospect. Is he going to be worth that top 50 pick? And if so, should the Wild be looking at him there? I personally don't think so. But Elias Salomonson's getting the rug pulled out from under him by many in both the public and private world. And so how far is he going to fall on draft day? How far is the awkward struggle of a season he's having going to, you know, pull him down in the draft? Is it going to be another uh, Atu Ratu situation? Who, of course, New York Islanders prospect who just had an incredible Liga season. Um, Is it going to be another situation like that? And if so, should we be kicking down the door to have Judd Brackett call Elias Salmonson's name. Two really interesting players who a year ago today were in a really similar spot and now are being pulled in completely different directions on both my rankings and many public sector rankings uh, as it stands. Well, uh, tell you what, let's, let's sneak in a little break and uh, we'll continue because, Gabe, you've got plenty of names uh, of which we can discuss for the draft. There's no shortage of names, so we can... Uh, we can dive into a few of your finds um, as we uh, continue today's episode of Locked on Wild after this. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's national champion this coming week. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. From the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it, they have it. Bet Online remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball either. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait. You'll miss out. Head to betonline.net today. Or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. You can find it all at Bet Online, where the game starts. Continuing today's episode of Lockdown Wilds. Once again, thank you for making Lockdown Wilds your first listen every day. 
and uh, we continue to just knock the numbers out of the park here in Lockdown Wild. So thank you to everybody for making it uh, as much fun as it is to record these episodes. Gabe, before we uh, before we go to a little prospect battle, I think is the uh, the best way to put that for the final segment here today. Um, just just give us a few more names of players that you have stumbled upon in your latest research. Um, as we get closer, of names that listeners should be keeping an eye out for uh, as we get closer and closer to the draft. Yeah, so would we end up calling this Foley's Finds? Yes. Is that what we land on? Beautiful. Beautiful name. I'm going to list off two names briefly, and then a third name that I just... No one really knows who this player is, um, not because he's not a very well-known name, but they're misevaluating him, so we'll have to clear the air there. But before we get to him, let's start with Antonio Fernandez. Uh, Antonio Fernandez is a defenseman in the USHL, and so you ought to think that at least I, a USHL scout, have heard of him, but it, it wasn't until... Just a few months ago that Fernandez really popped up on my radar, which says a lot about his popularity in the USA hockey circle and the scouting circle as a whole. But as I've started to dig into him, Fernandez is pretty legit. He's a right shot defenseman standing at 5'9", weighing 168 pounds. So a bit of a smaller frame, but the best way that I can describe Antonio Fernandez is drawing a comparison to Brent Johnson of the 2021 NHL draft. For those of you who were big into prospects last year, Brent Johnson was a player who caught fire in the public sector around the middle of last season. Um, everyone became a big fan of him and everyone was acting like they were the ones finding out about him. And, Oh, I found this great new player. Uh, it's Brent Johnson. <laughs> Make sure you give him a watch and, Ultimately, he ended up getting drafted um, in the middle rounds, I believe, by the Capitals, although I could be wrong. I don't have those notes on hand. But what Brent Johnson did well was he did a great job of getting the puck in the defensive end, saying, I'm skating this damn thing, and then he'd skate it. Um, ton of confidence with the puck, ton of willingness to join the rush, join the offensive zone. Antonio Fernandez doesn't do that to the degree that Brent Johnson does, but he does it. You know, you watch Antonio Fernandez play. He does a lot of really instinctive, creative things in the neutral zone, the offensive end in terms of, you know, identifying a gap in the opposing team and jumping uh, up from the blue line and trying to exploit that to open up a passing lane and get a goal or, um, you know, navigating his way through the neutral zone and using unique speed control and stuff to open up passing lanes. Um, he's really a creative, offensively minded defenseman. And, you know, that there's a lot to be said about that in the modern game. Um, you're watching players now and defensemen now. The NHL is asking more and more of these players to... Um, find ways to exploit those passing lanes on the offensive zone to not be afraid to pinch and uh, jump into the high slot as need be. That's something Antonio Fernandez is already doing well right now. He has a lot of area to improve, but 
he's a player who's going to be ranked around my fourth round uh, come Friday. I have a lot of hope for him and really like his goal scoring upside as a defenseman. He has 15 or uh, 13 on pace for 15 this season in the USHL, which is really nice from a blue liner on a modest Lincoln store, Lincoln stars team at best. So the first name on the Foley's fine column for today, Antonio Fernandez. If you're looking for a really creative, smart thinking, uh, defenseman in the mid to late rounds of the draft Fernandez is your guy but if you're looking for a bit more defensive reliability a little bit more poise and processing you're looking at a guy like Pavel Bocherov (laughs) ah it took me it took me a while to master that name to be comfortable saying that name and unfortunately Seth had to sit through all of it um but Pavel Bocherov is an American-born defenseman playing with the Medicine Hat Tigers of the WHL. And he really has not put up points in a way that would impress anyone this season. But he's still being really lauded as a comfortable mid-round pick by many different NHL clubs because he's so calm in the defensive end. Uh, He's got decent size, pretty average across the board, and he uses it to box out the slot and win battles in the corner and, you know, find ways to get the puck back and make good decisions with it. Um, There's so much room for conversation around Bocherov because heading into this past summer and into the Holinka Gretzky Cup, he was regarded by some as the guy on the USA blue line. Um, There was a lot of room to be excited about him. He made the team and had a modest tournament, but um, you know, he he hasn't matched that this season in a way that many were expecting. Um, It's, I guess it's interesting and it, it speaks to, how confusing of a player he is that I can't really find the words for him. There's been <laughs> such a group of scouts for years now that have lauded Bocherov as a really high potential two-way defenseman that's going to do well at the NHL level. And clearly that energy is being matched by NHL teams who are kind of kicking down the door for, you know, to pick him in the mid rounds of this upcoming draft. I don't know if I'm fully there yet in terms of confidence, but he does what he does and he does it well. And so that's enough to get a selection in the mid rounds. And unfortunately I was at a loss of words because this is a player that I've racked my brain over for months at this point um, and tried to find words to say and can never really come up with something elegant, but just keep him on your radar as we come to uh, to draft day. He's a player that a lot of NHL teams like and, with the wild prospect pool being as strong as it is, you guys might as well be trying to steal the the favorites of other teams just to spite them. You guys don't need any other prospects. Yeah, it's not. It's, uh, so good. it's not like we picked up an elite elite goalie prospects that oh the best the best in decades that a particular yeah. team had really good need for, but then Bill Guerin was like. Uh, Bill Guerin did the the traditional Minnesota like you bump into somebody and you just respond with oh 
Sorry about it. I'm just 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 gonna just gonna slide in here. Just uh, just take it. That's fine. Uh, and then I have one more name on my Foley's Fine column. He's a name that a lot of people are going to recognize uh, for many reasons. <laughs> but I really want to speak to him. I need a platform to yell about this kid. Um, and that's Jack Hughes. Not the New Jersey Devils number one center. <laughs> um, I wish it was. I love that Ju- Jack Hughes with my entire heart. This is Jack Daniel Hughes, the son of Kent Hughes, who's just announced the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens not too long ago. Jack D. Hughes has been, for the majority of this season, lauded as a consensus first-round pick by many. Those who don't have him in the first have him in the high second round. And let me tell you, let me tell you, (laughs) this kid, and absolutely no ill will towards, you know, Jack D. Hughes, his incredibly famous now GM of an NHL team dad, or anything like that. Um, but I think that there is a lot of misinterpretation about what Jack Hughes does well. And I want to speak my part at, on it as best as I can. Um, coming into the season, Jack Hughes had previously played with the U.S. National Team Development Program's U18 team, which means that he was going to spend his draft year in college. And last year, he played on a line with Chaz Lucius and Sasha Pastajab. Now, again, if you were familiar with the 2021 NHL draft at all, you know that those two guys knew how to do one thing really well, and that was get the puck on their stick and put it in the back of the net. They did not care about the other nine skaters on the ice. They didn't care where they were. They were going to put the puck in the net no matter what which means that Jack Hughes didn't really get a ton of opportunity. Um, He really was just a plant for in front of the net. Uh, The national team just kind of told him, stand in front, make things a little bit tougher for the other team, and our two amazing snipers are going to do what they do best, and you're going to you know, maybe rack up a few assists along the way. And so coming into the season, I told a lot of my peers – There's no way to evaluate Jack Hughes coming into his draft year. He's going to uh, NCAA club and he actually went to a Northeastern. I don't know why that, that paused in my brain for a second. He went to Northeastern, (laughs) which is a fairly weak uh, NCAA program as far as, you know, draft talent goes. And so he's poised for a ton of opportunity. And I was telling my peers, He's either going to go in and we're going to see a side of him that we haven't seen ever before. He's going to excel and really earn that first round nod. Or he's going to go in, immediately crumble under the pressure and fall apart. And unfortunately, he's done the latter. Now that Northeastern season's over, Jack Hughes is looking back on what was really a disappointing year. Um, He fell from the first line center all the way down to the fourth line center when things were all said and done. And he did it on the back of a lot of really unconfident decision-making. It never looked like he couldn't match the pace, but it looked like he didn't want to. Um, And there were definitely times where Jack Hughes was a liability on the ice. Now I say all that and it makes it sound like he's a terrible prospect. He's not by any means a bad prospect. In fact, I have Jack Hughes ranked in my third round. 
but I think that's where he's at. He's not a first round player. I wouldn't say he's a second round player. He does what he does well. And that's, you know, being a big bodied center, a good two way guy who can play special teams. If you ask him nicely enough. Um, But he's a low ceiling player. Who's never going to get past that third line center role, that second power play unit role. And that's fine. Every NHL team needs a center like that. They need a player like that. But for all the scouts that are making out Hughes to be this high-end potential top six center who should be taken in the top 25 of this draft, I think that's ignoring the flaws that he showed off in his first true high-responsibility role this season. And so... Like I said, I need a space to rant about this kid <laughs> because I've been watching Jack Hughes for years at this point. Um, and there was always potential there. I totally get why the hype was around him. But now that all said and done, he didn't live up to it, uh, as sad as that is to say. And it's time that we recognize that and we speak about him accordingly because you know, the last thing that any scout wants to do is misguide a player and think that they're better, make them think that they're better or worse than reality would have it. So that's another spoiler for the upcoming rankings on Friday. Jack Hughes will be in my third round. Um, Bit of a hot take, much lower than consensus, but I hope I've spoken my piece enough to kind of justify that, that wild ranking. Well, yeah. And like rankings at the end of the day, if you put you know, conviction behind them and state your claim as you've done so eloquently, um, then yeah, you can, you can put them wherever you want as long as you've got reasoning behind it and you do. So we're going to finish today's episode by doing a little bit of a, uh, this prospect or that prospect. Logan Cooley is one of the prospects we'll discuss, but you've got another name. They're going to go head to head to finish off today's episode of Locked on Wilds after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? Who knows? And why wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. RockAuto.com is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and RockAuto.com's prices are reliably low for every customer. So head to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. All at rockauto.com. Final segment of today's episode of Lockdown Wild again. Thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen every day. Make sure that you're following Gabe on Twitter at NHL Foley as his rankings, latest rankings drop um, to uh, get the lowdown on uh, some names in the NHL prospect pool. 
that you should be keeping an eye on as we get closer to the draft. Now, we've talked Logan Cooley previously, but you've got a name that you're going to stack up next to him and uh, let them kind of go toe-to-toe. So uh, I will, uh, I'll step out of the rink, and I'll let you, uh, I'll let you get this, uh, this battle going. Yeah, so it's not a battle that anyone familiar with USA Hockey will be surprised by. Um, But I got a call from a really, in my opinion, highly acclaimed juniors level scout uh, a couple of days ago. And he said, Gabe, who do you got? Logan Cooley or Frank Nazar? For those who aren't familiar, Logan Cooley is the number one center on the U.S. National Team Development Program. Frankie Nazar is number two. And all season long, they've been butting heads, fighting for that top-line role. When Logan Cooley left for the World Juniors, Frank Nazar stepped in and looked fantastic. And over the course of the year, Frank Nazar has 60 points in total um, in 48 games. Logan Cooley has 56 points in 39 games. So it's about a 10-point goal, or 10-point, oh, (laughs) <laughs> is <laughs> it's about a 10 point gap between the two and a 10 game gap between the two. I got there eventually. Um, very similar in many different ways. Both play a high octane game, love having the puck on their stick, but Frank Nazar is a bit more in your face about it. Frank Nazar doesn't really care what his wingers are doing. If they aren't in the right position, he's going to find a way to score himself, whereas Logan Cooley uses his high-octane play to set up beautiful playmaking opportunities for the wingers and the defensemen that he's with. Um, Really, it's amazing watching Logan Cooley play, and for any University of Minnesota fans out there, uh, you guys got a special talent here. You guys are going to love watching him play. It's Impeccable. Um, and for that reason, I'll say it right now, Logan Cooley is my number two uh, ranked prospect in the upcoming rankings. But Frankie Nazar is catching up real quick. I won't spoil my ranking for him. And it's because it's a really good conversation that could be swapped. The bulk of the conversation at this point now is Logan Cooley knows how to utilize his wingers better. Logan Cooley's a bit smarter with his processing and plays a faster game. All of that yields itself to more than anything, a nice comfortable floor as a top six center in the NHL. Logan Cooley's going to go in the top five of this year's draft uh, based on every rumor I've heard. I've actually heard that there was for a brief bit, a team considering him at first overall, but those considerations have faded. Um, I won't dedox the team just yet. Maybe, <laughs> maybe a little bit later. But um, Logan Cooley will go in the top five, and the team's going to get exactly what they wanted out of him. He's going to be a high end center with really high upside. Frankie Nazar might not stick in the NHL ever. I couldn't tell you, but I also couldn't tell you where his ceiling's at, and I couldn't tell you that. Because, you know, of all the positives I say for this kid, there's one glaring negative. And it's that 
it never looks like he's playing at 100%, which is crazy and very weird to say about a player who's going to be drafted in the top 10, top 15 of this upcoming draft, but it looks like he has something to give. Hmm. And that's what makes Frankie Nazar so exciting among public sector scouts, among juniors level scouts, among NHL scouts. The conversation is the same everywhere. What is this kid really going to be? Hopefully, we get to find out next season when Frankie Nazar joins the University of Michigan and likely plays a top-line center role for them in place of Matty Beneers, who everyone's assuming is going to move up to Seattle next year. But who knows? It's He's such a polarizing prospect because if someone says that they know what he's going to be in the next year, the next five years, the next 10 years, they are blatantly lying to you. Whereas with Logan Cooley, we have a pretty good idea of the bare minimum that he's going to be able to give. And so anything above that is just, you know, icing on the cake. And so you said, I'm pitting these two players up against each other. I wish I had a bona fide stance, a bona fide opinion to give. Um, I currently have Logan Cooley a few spots higher than Frankie Nazar, but it's a gap that's closing every time I update my rankings. And in fact, as I speak to junior scouts and I hear some buzz around NHL teams, I know that there are multiple scouts and multiple teams that have Frankie Nazar ranked over Logan Cooley as it stands. So it's an incredibly interesting conversation because on one hand, you have a player with such a high, comfortable floor, but meanwhile, the other one hasn't shown us his all yet. And it looks like his all could be something incredible, something amazing that really trumps everyone else in this draft. So, oh, Seth, it stresses me out. <laughs> I, I got that phone call. And, you know, first off, it's always exciting getting phone calls from high-end people. I was like buzzing on the phone for that initially. And I got asked that question. I was like, I don't know. We could talk about this for hours. It's, it's such an interesting discussion. And I think it could lead to a really spicy draft day and a really spicy next few years, especially since, as I mentioned, Logan Cooley is going to play for the Gophers next season. Frankie Nazar is going to Michigan. It's playing for the Wolverines. Oh. And so these two good buddies are going to be staunch rivals next season, only furthering the divide between them. So a lot of room to be excited about those two players, a lot of room to be excited about the US NTDP as a whole. And it is exhausting trying to cover every aspect of this team. There's so much to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the beauty of it is that, you know, we can do as many of these shows as we want talking about prospects and they're just it it never seems like there's enough time to get to everybody. And so, you know, we do them as much as we can. But the beauty of it is that there just is so much ground to cover. It's it's much like the ocean, where we feel like we have um, we feel like we have a pretty good grasp, and then it's like, oh yeah, like ninety seven percent of the ocean has not been discovered yet. You're like, oh wow, we got a that lot of work to do. Strangely poetic. I know. I uh, I don't know where what that came from. Has become. <laughs> we're uh, we're we're locked on deep thoughts now. I guess locked on the vibe something like that but um as mentioned listeners make sure to follow gabe 
at NHL Foley uh, to get uh, as many draft thoughts as you can possibly handle leading up to the NHL draft, which is going to be here before we know it. Uh, we'll continue to uh, pick Gabe's brain on various NHL prospects. So we have a little bit of a better idea as to who the Wild might be looking at with their first round pick come draft time. If they have it, by the way, if it uh, does not turn into a first round pick because the Wild got to further than the Western Conference Finals. But uh, regardless, they'll still have plenty of other draft picks. There are plenty of players to take a look at, and we'll continue to do that each and every step of the way. That is going to do it for today's episode of Lockdown Wild. So now that your first listen of the day is done, make sure you head over to the Lockdown NHL podcast to get all the latest news on your favorite NHL teams from your favorite Locked On Insiders. Make sure to follow Lockdown Wild as well wherever you listen to podcasts and wherever you take your social media in. Make sure to follow us there as well. We're keeping you up to date every step of the way throughout the Minnesota Wild season because if news breaks or if a puck drops or if anything happens throughout the NHL, Lockdown Wild has you covered with new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.